Hi to hell, universe. It is the 28th of January. Happy almost February. And uh, it is the time of... Oh, it's already 11.16. Holy crap. I thought it was before 11, but it's not. It's 11.17. Oh, good for me. Um, hey, time's flying when you're thinking thoughts. And uh, boy, am I thinking thoughts. I mean, you know, if I were a map where I'd be all over the fucking place, because my thoughts are just all over the map right now. And uh, I know that was not premeditated. That was just fucking horrible. Sorry. But I, uh, I've, well, should I start with my grandmother? Maybe. Um, I, I've been to one funeral in my entire life and it is my father's partner's wife. And this was a woman I, I knew pretty well. The, the partners all had kids that were roughly the same age to within a year. And the boys were the same age and the girls were the same age. It was a little creepy, to be honest. Felt a little CIA inserted, all to be dead straight honest. But no, if you were a Copeland, a Root, or a Farley, well, then you were a 17 or 16-year-old boy and you were a 15-year-old girl. And, uh, or you're a 14-year-old girl, sorry. They were two years younger than me and three years younger than Chris and Ian. And, uh, <clears throat> so we were tight. I mean, the, our, our families worked together and hung out on social occasions together and spent holidays together and, um, had each other over for events. I mean, they were our friends. Um, and I know more probably about Sidna Farley, who is the funeral I went to, than I do about either of my grandmothers. And I didn't go to either of their funerals. And I, I was told not to go to my, my mom's mom's funeral. It wasn't sudden. It was, it was a, drawn-out emphysema routine that uh, was truly my first family death. Wait, did my other grandma? They died within a year of each other. I can't remember which one died first now, but oh, I think it was my other grandmother. No, it couldn't have been. It doesn't matter. The point is, I had such um, inconsequential relationships with my grandmothers, I didn't go to their funerals, which is terrible. It's fucking horrible. I would never do it again in the position of life I've come to understand myself now. I wouldn't, it, it wouldn't have been possible. But given who I had been and the structure of my family's relations and dynamics up until that point, it wasn't even something I pushed back on. <clears throat> and if I remember right, my father's mother died at a time when I was in the middle of something, what it was, maybe finals, it was something that I could have left. But again, we just didn't have a relationship. And frankly, neither did my dad in many regards, um, at least during my lifetime. So the distant nature of their passing was somewhat expected. Um, so I bring all this up because... <clears throat> uh, <sighs> 
last week, and it, it's the end of the week, essentially. We've got 30 more minutes here. 40. Um, this week that's ending, I spent a lot of time in good conversation with people whose family dynamics were significantly different than me and very similar to me. And <clears throat> I had forgotten what it's like to speak to somebody candidly about a dynamic in your family that they experienced too, that maybe you've never had overlap with anybody about. Because we don't really open up about our nuclear family fucking truths. Uh, you know, what went on in our behind the scenes, eighth grade dining room table routines. It's just, it's, it's not a conversation you have very often. But as you get to know somebody a little bit uh, more directly or at a level in which there's just a, a texture to go deeper, sometimes you find those overlaps of, wait, your family didn't watch TV during the week either? Like for how long? For all of your life? Fuck, it was only elementary school for me. Um, you find people with those kinds of commonalities and it's it's an instant connection of at least social misfittedness or social um, uh, embarrassment, awkwardness, um, unique structural imposition of your childhood's time. Well, <clears throat> I don't mean to be... Uh, I don't mean to be so, um, hmm. The, the overlap here was emotional and it was, it was a uh, lack of emotion to be honest. And uh, I'm finding more and more people who grew up in a household where I love you was not a phrase used. And <clears throat> as much as I would have told you at the age of 25, so what? At the age of 53, it breaks my heart. It breaks my fucking heart. Because somewhere along the line, I came to understand how neglecting to give the one thing you can give unconditionally and without care, without cause or uh, regret is your love to anybody. And it is by wounding us as children in all sorts of subtle and direct ways, and particularly wounding us emotionally, that we become mirrors of those wounded actions in some fatalistic way doomed to repeat them. And <clears throat> these cycles, huh, they, uh, they don't break easily because for a disruption, the whole system has to have 
some kind of hiccup. And I'm kind of convinced that my sister and I's both coincidental outcome of not having children, two white middle Americans who should have had kids didn't. And this is true of a lot of people in my age group and around it. There was a there was something that kept us from just spitting babies out like they did in the 50s. And I think now I understand what it was for me. I don't know that I'm even right, so I'm not going to speak delusionally. But I uh I <clears throat> I find myself thinking about family structure because whenever I speak to another person about mine, it feels warped. And it doesn't feel a kilter. It doesn't feel all fucked up. It doesn't feel <laughs> um, textbook or storybook or fantasy land. It feels... Um, it feels warped. And it feels warped in a way that I couldn't recognize enough distortion to realize I had gotten warped. That I had come out of something imbalanced and um, and incomplete and was going to never, ever figure out that I was unwhole until I had tried to fix myself by complete completing myself in a variety of both reckless and, and noble pursuits in the world, all of which broke or failed to um, materialize in some sort of meaningful way. All that gobbledygook speak means this. When I lived in a household in which I had a showering of love for my parents as their child, but saw no uh, real affection between them as loving people. I only came to see praise in relationships at the highest of perfect moments. And so I thought that the highest of perfect moments were what every couple had to strive for to prove they loved each other. These were the intuited, intuited, these were the implied messages that the daily behavior my household was immersed in provided. No kid is learning these things intentionally, but they're imprinting him with relationship dynamic vibrations that he will bring with him or she into every scenario until something makes them rethink what they formed their relationship dynamic opinion of and by which is their parents' relationship. <clears throat> now, this is obvious shit. <laughs> I didn't have these thoughts so late in life because it was a struggle to get here. The struggle was that none of this felt abnormal at all because I knew enough other people who had similar experiences that I was just like, yeah, fuck. Dads, uh, dads are unemotional, and they are. They really are, because they're trained to deny their emotional side, or at least to suppress it. Except anger and and what? Uh, and 
uh, boisterousness. I don't know what men emotionally are permitted to uh, publicly display in overflow fashion. Um, but it's not weakness. It's not crying. It's not um, breaking down. It's not uh, falling apart. It isn't uh, losing one's fucking shit. It's not fainting. It's not being overwhelmed in a situation. It's not withering on the vine. All of which can be reasonable ex experiences given a thousand of the actions you can undertake. But fake it till you make it, bluster your way through it, be a Captain America with a shield about all your real thoughts and emotions by being the most interesting guy in the world. And, well, you'll, you'll at least retain your man card. And, <clears throat> and I guess that was the trade-off I made when I finally just shut down. Um, and I shut down emotionally somewhere in like, I don't know, middle school probably. I just realized that I, I was, <laughs> I identified with that fucking bull for <laughs> the bull, uh, a little more than most kids, I suppose. I, I saw so much to think about and consider in life. I couldn't understand why everybody was being so, um, huh. Doing other shit. Like, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed activities as a kid. I'm not saying I didn't. And I really loved reading. I loved, I loved school. I loved going to birthday parties. <laughs> I loved hosting them. I mean, much like today, I didn't think about stuff, but I loved my life. But when I started to realize what was <clears throat> maybe different, and this was junior high, for being fair, and it was probably girls, if we're being really fair, um, was one, I was uh, terribly shy, especially with approaching a girl and asking her to the dance. Um, and two, I was, <clears throat> I was interested in learning everything. And I felt like I had an obligation to study as far as I could get in whatever was going to pique my interest as far as educational pursuits could take me. I had been filled with the idea that I was above, above average and should do something with it that meant something good for myself and good for the world. And... <clears throat> I'm not saying that this was special and I was pulled aside and given this message. No, these are the messages that were given to the kids that were in the advanced classes in high school in the mid to late 80s. And <clears throat> I, uh, I started believing it for sure, for sure by college. But I think somewhere my junior, senior year of high school, I started thinking, I probably am going to develop into this shit. 
And I didn't really have um, that ego until that moment. And that's when I lost my, my innocence. That's when I lost my, that's probably the moment when I started most deciding to be what the universe, or not the universe, to be what I thought the immediate environment around me wanted me to be instead of being myself. And I don't know that I did this to get women because when I first got to college, there was just a level of novelty about me that was attractive. So I, it was, I always thought I was lucky enough to be attractive to really interesting, good looking women because I didn't need to be attractive to models. I thought they would have been too much trouble for all the men that would hit on them anyway, because I would get a little jealous. So I always thought I was at the perfect level. I never thought I wanted to be anything other than exactly where I was. I thought I had a lot of uh, interesting opportunities to meet interesting women, and I did. So I never felt like relationships were even challenging. They were there. If, if I broke up with somebody, there was somebody around the corner waiting to be found. And it was always true. So when I started thinking I needed to be somebody other than myself to meet that next person around the corner or to leave the person I was with or to stay with the person I was with, or I don't even know what. But I think relationships are where I started to really slide into a who do you want me to be until I can't be that person and walk out the front door. Or at least that manifested those um, those tendencies in me especially in Seattle and Portland, as much as anything. Work would do it too. I don't want to isolate relationships as the fundamental issue. They, they weren't. And they weren't, I'm talking relationships across all the board too. Every relationship I could have, whether it be roommate or sister or aunt or postman, none of them were 100% on board with this is the real me. So, when I hear these conversations with people, like I had one yesterday, finding themselves in moments of true reckoning that they stand up as themselves, even in their teenage years, wow. It just, it makes me think how little courage I have. I mean, I'm just a chicken shit of some high degree. Or even wizard level or Freemason, maybe. Who knows? Who knows what kind of chicken shit kind of awards are out there in the land of secret societies. But if there's one that's the CIA level, well, my moments of failing to think the world would take me as I am would at least have gotten me an interview. So... When I spoke to somebody in the middle of the week about what it's like to look back and and think how I how I would not just behave, but come to an agreement in my head 
that if this is the way things work out, I'm going to slide out of it this way, and I'm just going to let that go. That's the way it's got to be dealt with. I could already see that. So that's the way it's going to be dealt with. So I'm not going to have any fucking guilt over it. So I could talk myself preemptively into some seriously shitty things. And uh, who does that? <laughs> I mean, who's living in such chaos, personal internal chaos, that they have to give themselves permission for the shit they're about to pull? Because they know they'll pull it. And frankly, they know it's bullshit that they're going to. So there better be some sort of cross my fingers, hope to die. I don't mean it. Don't stick that needle in my eye. Level of contract with myself. I, I used to have a habit of walking around saying, fucking idiot, thinking about my mistakes. Or, like in that kind of a voice it's okay for you I just had to do the voice to convey the angst that would be overwhelming me and so I would spit out these just self-loathing <laughs> uh, <laughs> criticisms filled with sailor words and the kind of um, worthless piece of shit innuendo that um, I learned from my dad. <laughs> and uh, I don't laugh at this because it's fucking serious. Because he still does it. To this day. And he's done it my whole life. And... Um, and when I realized I was doing it, I'd been doing it a while. It was one of those things where I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm doing that thing my dad does. And I, this isn't really the first time, I don't think. Oh, my God. No, it's not at all. I did that like two days ago. <gasps> and I did that last week. Oh, my God. How often am I doing this? Realizations. And then you kind of realize, oh, my God, I do this. Yeah, fuck, I fly off a little bit, don't I? Oh my God, why am I yelling at myself so much? Well, I deserve it for one. You know, you start talking to yourself about what's this behavior you've identified that emerges somehow out of the ordinary because you don't want to act like your dad, but now you are, and then you realize it, and you're like, well, I guess I'm becoming my dad. Well, <sighs> hmm, that was one of the first times that I thought to myself, absolutely not. <laughs> Fuck no. You will not yell at yourself because you have no other way to release emotional mm, clutter. Um, uh, hmm. It's not build up. It's tension. It's it's stress. It's such an unfair way to live in the state of having your emotions not just manage you, but stress you the fuck out. 
and make you yell at yourself that you're not worthy. So, I told myself as I came out of the conversation yesterday to give myself a couple days to then re-listen to it so I could um, pick up some of the dangling threads that I know are in there. But then I couldn't help myself. I had to re-listen to it immediately. Because unlike talking to myself, I don't have any idea what the last half hour is really about. I know we've kind of been not, I really don't know. But you talk to another person, and there's a there's an exchange of energy that is so imprinted that you can visit it like a movie for a week. And I'm just, I keep having more and more revelation about everything stemming from that exchange. And... <clears throat> Because of that, uh, I've come now to see that I think one of the reasons I really like helping people is something that I secretly get out of it, that I never knew before, but I now know is true. And that is, whenever you are in a position to give somebody some assistance, especially out of the blue, you know what it does? It opens them wide up. And you end up uh, always having really meaningful conversation as you go about whatever it is that you're helping them do. (sighs) So I wonder sometimes if I'm (laughs) I'm willing to help whoever because I'm that desperate just for the opportunities for meaningful conversation in this world full of meaningless eyes down, head down, look at our screens and pretend we're another thing that we're not. Well, I don't want to pretend that I got distracted by that sideline of, of, uh, of truth, but You can connect with anybody and get a lot out of it. And it doesn't take much. And it can leave you spinning on light beams in the clouds of Jupiter. Like you're on 10 grams of mushrooms wondering, Where'd Sophia go now? 